Uh, good evening. If, uh, if this is your first time here, uh, welcome. I'm really glad to, to be here with you tonight. The last couple weeks, I have met a lot of people that have come for the first time, and I apologize. Um, sometimes I think, truly, we just forget that throughout the year, a lot of you are inviting roommates and friends and that kind of thing, so we might just assume that you know uh, who we are or what's going on and that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm Jason. I'm a pastor and a director here at the house, and um, I work with a full-time staff of a ton of people that are in this room, and um, this is our last worship service of the, of the semester. Uh, but um, those of us on staff will be around for the next three weeks um, to meet with you. And, and our, our mission, our vision, rather, is, is for you to be known and know Jesus. And if there's any way we can make that happen, um, we'd love to step into that space. So if you want to grab coffee, want to pray over something for the holidays, talk through something you're going through, um, we'd love to be here for you for that. So um, anyway, thanks for being here tonight. This is a, a kind of a cool night. Uh, for me in 12 years of being at the house. I think this is only the second time we've had a week of school after Thanksgiving that's not finals, right? So um, it gets to be a little fun to talk about things regarding Christmas um, tonight. So we're going to do that. But first, a couple of things. Um, In light of some people in this room being new or or something like that, just so you know, um, it may be sort of awkward just to grab the person next to you and say, can you tell me about ways to get involved or connected? Although that's actually a great thing to do. Um, We are pretty up-to-date on social media stuff, and so you can find us on Instagram or Twitter, sort of whatever, but we're we're there. Um, And uh, there's a Facebook group. Um, There's there's like a page. There's actually a student group you have to request to join. Um, And if you're ever wondering about stuff going on, things are on there or a public Google calendar, all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of ways to find out kind of what's going on around here Um, over the holidays or whatnot. Uh, Before we get into the sermon tonight, too, one of the the things that often gets missed um, is uh, people who, who graduate halfway through a school year. Um, and so that just feels like kind of a weird time to graduate because everybody else has got a full year. And so can I ask, is anybody graduating this December? Anybody in the room? One back there? Anybody else? That's it? That's the only person. We got one more over here? There's in the balcony? I can't see. Okay, would you... Do me, do me a favor real quick. If you're graduating in December, would you stand up? I, I would hate this if I were in your position, but we're going to do it anyway. So, hey, y'all. Finish strong. At this point, no, stay standing. Because you said you're graduating, you've actually got to do it now, okay? Like, it's going to be really embarrassing if you say it again next semester. So, no, stand up for a minute. I'm gonna, we're going to do something real quick. Um, if, you, if you're close to these people, I actually want us to spend just a second. I want us to pray for them, all right? It's a big deal, graduating from college and, and, and what's next. I don't know for you, but, but we're going to pray that the Lord would bless you and would send you out of this place um, uh, in, in some really good ways, all right? So if you're close to that person, would you just appropriately maybe lay a hand on their shoulder or something? Uh, if you're a guy and it's a girl standing, just leave it alone or something, but uh, anyway, um, with the rest of you, I'll just pray for, for these folks, all right, for our friends in this room that are graduating. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask, um, well, first we thank you uh, for, um, in some ways, the end of seasons, uh, for what that means in terms of growth and what that means in terms of uh, new beginnings and, and celebrations for completions. Um, and for our friends in this room graduating, we, we celebrate with them and we um, are grateful that they were able to finish they started it may not for some of them feel like finished yet with finals um lumen but um but we thank you for that we also ask that you um that you guard them and that you send them out of of college in into the the next uh sort of chapter in their lives um with growth uh with community would you surround them by your church may they um, be equipped for the work 
of your ministry in their lives. May the work that they do bring good to people in this world and glorify you and may they look forward to your coming again to make all things new. Um, we ask for you to provide them with jobs. We ask for you to provide them with ways to, to meaningfully um, interact with and participate in the world around them and the cities they live in and the places they go. Would you provide them with friends and rich community to uphold them, knowing that you have not called any of us to try to live our lives alone? May you be pleased with the shape of their lives to come. And may you see fit to bring them into your glory and to finish what you started. Thank you so much for them. We celebrate them and we look forward, many of us in this room, to being at the same place soon. I know for some of them, maybe even these ones standing, there's fear too of the unknown. May they trust that you're good. And may they look for ways um, to follow you in faithfulness and see where your spirit is leading that they might know you'll provide and you'll make a way. Thank you for them. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, tonight, tonight my hope is, um, is to offer y'all, a, 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 well, first let me just say something that I, I just feel all day. So Christmas Eve, for, for some reason, um, maybe for many reasons, I'm tempted to kind of go into that right now, but I can't. Uh, Christmas Eve is like maybe the quietest night of the whole year for me. I don't know if you guys ever felt that in your house, but like after, after my kids go to bed, and most of you probably don't have kids, but after my kids go to bed, um, it's like dead quiet. There's not fireworks like some celebrations every year. Um, we want the kids to get to bed early because it's going to be a long day the next day, that kind of stuff. It's like the quietest night, right? Not a creature was stirring sort of thing. Um, and today's felt like that for some reason. Like I've, I've run into tons of people and it just feels like this lull. Like, like it's probably too far past Thanksgiving for everybody to just be like on a turkey hangover or something. But, um, but I don't know if it's like you're staring finals in the headlights or if you're just like, I don't even know what this season means right now because I just had vacation and I'm not at vacation and I've got finals in the middle. I don't know what it is, but it feels like this kind of weird lull. And I don't know what that is. I just wanted to acknowledge it, I guess. And sorry that tomorrow's not Christmas, I guess. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, my hope tonight is to offer you guys a bit of a framework for this next season of, of your life. Um, so for the next couple weeks that, that many of you are in school and the couple weeks after that um, at home or, or wherever you'll be, um, I, I know that that's a, kind of a challenge for, for many of us in this room who, um, <laughs> like, who don't think in terms of seasons. We think, uh, you know, from paper to paper or test to test or weekend to weekend, maybe we've never thought much longer than six or seven days out. But, um, so this might be a long shot in, in trying to frame the next, like, 27, 28 days. Um, but I'm going to try it anyway, right? So, so I'm going to begin tonight actually by, by just um, reading what is probably for many of you a very familiar story. So this is story time with me, and um, we're going to read this first, and then we'll get into the rest of this, all right? So get comfortable or whatever. Um, this hopefully shouldn't be too surprising for many of you. And there were shepherds in that same dark country abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And God turned to his angel, and God said, Gabriel. And the angel answered, yes, Lord. And the Lord God said, go down. All of the people must know what I'm doing. Tired and lonely and scattered and scared, all of the people must hear it. Go, good Gabriel. Go down again. Go tell a few to tell the others till every child has heard of it. Go. And so it was that an angel of the Lord appeared to the weary shepherds. 
Their dark was shattered, for the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were afraid. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. But the light was like a hard and holy wind, and the shepherds shielded their faces with their arms. Hush, said the angel. Hush, like the west wind. Shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy, and not only for you, but for all of the people. Listen. So shepherds were squinting and blinking, and shepherds began to listen, but none of them had the courage to talk or to answer a thing. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, said the angel, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly the sky itself split open. And like the fall of a thousand stars, the light poured down. There came with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, peace to the people with whom he is pleased. But hush, you shepherds, hush in your wonder, for the choral singing soon was ended. The host ascended, and the sky was closed again. And then there came a breeze, and a marvelous quiet, and the simple dark of the night. It was just that. No terror in that then. It was only the night. No deeper gloom than evening. For not all the light had gone back to heaven. The light of the world himself stayed down on earth and near you now. And you can talk now. Try your voices. Try to speak. Uh, God has given you generous voices, shepherds. Speak. So then, this is what the shepherds said to one another. Let us, they said, go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So the shepherds got up and ran as fast as they could to the city of Bethlehem, to a particular stable in that city. And in that stable, they gazed on one particular baby lying in a manger. Then, in that moment, everything was fixed in a lambent memorial light. And there was the infant just waking just lifting his arms to the air and making sucking motions with his mouth. The holy child was hungry, and there was his mother, lying on the straw as lovely as the lily and listening to the noises of her child. Joseph, she murmured, and there was Joseph, as sturdy as a barn, just bending toward his Mary. What, he whispered, and the shepherd's eyes were shining for what they saw. Exactly as though it were morning and not the night, the shepherds went out into the city and began immediately to tell everyone what the angel had said about this child. They left a trail of startled people behind them as on they went, both glorifying and praising God. But Mary did not so much as rise that night. She received the baby from Joseph's hands then placed him down at her breast while she lay on her side on straw. With one arm, she cradled the infant against her body. On the other arm, bent at the elbow, she rested her head, and she gazed at her small son sucking. Mary lowered her long black lashes and watched him and loved him and murmured, Jesus, Jesus, for the baby's name was Jesus. Joseph, she said without glancing up. Joseph said, what? And Mary fell silent and said no more. She was keeping all these things, all that had happened between the darkness and the light, and pondering them in her heart. Let's pray. God, would you come near to us now? 
in some kind of way you came near to them. We need you to break into our worlds. Help us believe. And may the way I speak of you and the way we think about you tonight be glorifying to you. May it be pleasing to you. So guard that and help that, please, in the name of your precious son, Jesus. We pray, amen. On the night that Jesus was born, there was some family uh, arguing over dinner, probably just down the street. Uh, James and John were fighting over the last piece of turkey. Mom was exhausted and done with it all. Dad was probably barely present, distracted by some other thoughts. On the night Jesus was born, some young boy was dreaming about fame and glory, which might await him when he becomes a man one day. And some young couple was probably stealing a kiss in the dark streets of their village, unbeknownst to either of their parents, wondering if this romance would blossom into something. Shops were resting, waiting for the next day. It was probably just like a Wednesday or a Thursday or something. The rhythms and fits and starts of our normal weeks were no different that night than anyone before. The greatest miracle in all of the cosmos had just occurred. Quite literally, the greatest miracle that will ever occur had just occurred. But across the yard, in the inn, someone was laying up in bed wondering if they'd ever get married. Another, just no more than probably 20 yards away, was probably fitfully crying, wondering how to forgive a friend who hurt them. All the rooms were full, and downstairs the music was loud, and drinks were poured and emptied. God had become man, but there were dishes in the sink, and bills to be paid, and tests to take, and things to do tomorrow. No one was expecting this. No one was expecting this, except for maybe a few shepherds, but not really. They wouldn't have known. But for the angel visiting them and the sky splitting open to a chorus of song and light. And so the greatest thing that ever was had happened. And it was just this teenage girl, her husband, and this child. The child who fashioned her and put her name in the book of life and was holding her even as he was being held in her arms. No one was expecting this. And you can't blame him. But the way he came, poor and quiet, and it was a busy night too. And with all that we have going on while the earth spins around our magnificent star, can you really blame him? The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. It is possible, then, if John is, is telling us true, and he is, he's one of Jesus' closest friends, it is possible for Jesus to be among us and for us to miss him. Would we know him if he dwelt among us? Would we? Would we recognize his laugh or his touch? If he were next door or just like right out here on the street, would we know? He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people, and they did not receive him. As the God-man grew up, someone lived just next door in that town of Nazareth. Someone played in the yard out front. 
with Jesus. The neighborhood boys and girls sometimes ate lunch next to him at one of the tables his dad built. Did they know who they were sitting next to when they traded snacks? For years, God with us. Emmanuel. For decades, his mother pondered things too wonderful for her in her heart. For 30 years, he lived among us, one of us. God made us in his image, but then, of course, he made himself in ours, Emmanuel. And even after the news broke, even after he went in and stood in the temple and claimed the prophecies and went public with the news of the kingdom he brings with him everywhere he goes, he was rejected over and over again, not received, missed, even by his family. But maybe that's the most obvious part of the story. How many of us in this room are not received or known even by our own families? Jesus too. But John goes on, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Gospel of John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. There were some who did receive him, though, who recognized that in Jesus, God was dwelling among us. And in his eyes and in his words and in the very way he moved, they recognized the fullness of grace and truth. And to those who did receive him, who did recognize him, those who believed in him, he gave them rights to a new land, to a new identity, to a new home, to become children of the Father. Sometimes I think at Christmas we talk about gifts, we talk about gifts a lot. In the story of Jesus, we sometimes will talk about these strangers from the East who came to Jesus when he was a toddler and brought these gifts. And we'll sing songs like the little drummer boy about bringing whatever we have before God and we'll sit here in this room and offer our praises to him and ask him how we might follow him and honor him and thinking about what we're offering to him but is not the overwhelming slant of this story about what God gives to us. We sing our songs but he gave us lungs. We lift him up with these very arms and hands that he made. Those wise men brought gifts from the gift of the world, gold and frankincense and myrrh, incidentally fit for a prophet, priest, and king. But that baby in Mary's arms, he gave her arms, and he gave her a self before she could form a thought. And now he brings her in this moment of Christmas Day Grace and truth, and his gift of all gifts is himself. Right in the muck and mire of the pigsty on a cold, dark night. In a manger, which is a trough that animals eat out of. And that night, no one knew. No one saw it coming. No one was there but a couple of teenage refugees and some local shepherds. I don't think it's so different from us today. Christ has come into the world and is alive and is moving through his church all over the world. This is a proclamation that has been going out. This is testified to for over 2,000 years. This has been the story. Christ is coming still, but there are dishes in the sink, bills to be paid, tests to take, and things to do tomorrow. Would we know him if he walked among us? Is he in this room? Would we know if he was? Right now, like just a couple days ago actually, we just embarked upon this season that the church has celebrated every year for more than 1,500 years. It's called Advent, which is just a word that means coming, 
for during Advent, we look to the coming of Jesus. It's the season before Jesus comes into the world. And when we live during Advent, it's, it's actually a lot like Lent in this kind of way. These are these two seasons of fasting and, and almost a, a quietness to them. We live in a humble expectation of Advent, of coming, until Christmas Day. When the Christ child comes to meet the world, now, of course, like historically, Christ has actually come. So in a way, we're looking back and we enter into the stories of our family history to identify with them and remember what we can learn from them and, and, and have solidarity with them and what we can learn through them about God. But we are also looking forward to his coming again. And he has not yet come again. Just like there was dark and cold and muck and mire back then, we have that still in our world. We have homeless on our streets in Chattanooga. We have fires all around us right now. We're just a week removed from the terrible tragedy of death of many children in our city. And that doesn't scratch the surface of all that we want God to come back and heal and make new. And so Advent is a time when we look back and identify with the people of God longing for their Savior, their Messiah, their King, but also a time when we look forward to Him coming again. We long for Him to come again. In both senses, it's a season that is haunted by longing, unfulfilled longing, waiting, looking. And can I suggest what we might do during this season? This is how I want to suggest that you might frame this next season. Make room for God coming into your life and look for him coming into your life. Make room for him and look for him. First, friend, God wants to dwell in the busy little ends of your heart. These cluttered and hurried spaces within us which have so little room but are so rarely filled. What is there in your heart right now? What is taking up all that space? Would you make room for him to come and dwell with you? The entire human race had a place, St. Jerome said, and the Lord was about to be born on earth and had none. Would you give him room? It won't take much. You will find that he can make himself comfortable in the smallest of places. The God who the whole earth cannot contain fit himself into a trough one day. What is filling your heart this season? Is it a longing for home? Is it the desire for a new beginning? To start over? For just some way to get through this season? For intimacy? To outgrow loneliness? For time with loved ones or time to play? Can I suggest that you make room? God wants in. Make room in rest. Make room in conversations. Make room at your dinner tables. Make room in the tyranny of gift exchanging. Make room in your plans for the coming year. Make room in the evening as you go to bed. Make room in your heart. To everyone who receives him, he gives them the right to become children of God. And look for him. He is alive. He has come, he is coming, and he's moving now through his church. But we won't find him, and this I think is huge, we probably will not find him in the temple that we think is fit for him. We will find him in the trough that's fit for us. 
So look for him there. Look for him in the back and forth of a broken family over holidays. Look for him in the ache of loneliness or frustration. Look for him in the stress of performance during finals and plans for the new year. Look for him when it's cold and dark and it's been something like 400 years since you've heard anything from him. He said he's meek and he's lowly in heart. That's where we find him. Perhaps you think it's strange. If Jesus is who he said he is, who he claimed to be, and who he demonstrated himself to be, perhaps you think it's strange that he would not come in more power and earthly glory. He will one day. But let us remember that he came, not for himself, but for us. He came in just the place where we all need him and look for him the most, in fact. In the troughs, in the muck, in the mire, in the cold, in the dark, in the night. This is where he meets us. Not so much in the tinsel on the tree, or the lights, or the songs filling the air. Last week I said sometimes that feels like such a lie. We want that to be the truth which is one of the reasons why we should sing it. We should sing it in protests to the realities of our world. We should decorate trees and give presents as a protest against a world that is selfish and doesn't give, against a world that is dark and doesn't shine light. Looking forward to that day. But he often doesn't meet us in in the tinsel on the tree or the lights or the songs, but in the manger, in the troughs. Look for him there, probably, probably right next to where there's no room in your life. If you don't make room for him, he's been known to move in next door. That's what we know from his history, so look for him there, right between the darkness and the light. This season, friends, make room in your hearts and look for him in the lowliest of places. I know that, like, Part of the deal when you see lights like this and on our culture right now, we want to celebrate nonstop. We have a day of Thanksgiving and then a week of buying or something. And we play songs so much that we wear them all out and we're sick of it. By the time Christmas comes, I just want out. That's not the way the church has practiced the season. This might feel strange to you to have a Christmas sermon that is a little quieter or telling you to look in the dark places and in the cracks and in the nooks and the crannies and in those things that you probably are avoiding and you'd rather look here at a tree. But we find him as a baby in a trough. We find him on a cross. We find him in his glory too later. We find him now in his church laying down her life for others. We find him in meek and lowly places now. And the reason why the church intentionally spends a whole season of their calendar year every year meditating on this, singing softer songs and being a little bit quieter is so that on Christmas Day, which is less than a month from now, we're ready, we're so poised to be ready because we've been waiting. We've been waiting to sing Christ has come. We've been waiting to sing hallelujah. We've been waiting to tell everybody about the Jesus who came into the world. We've been waiting to tell everybody about God among us. And in my humble estate, I often just forget because there's dishes in the sink and there's tests to take and there's things to do tomorrow. And so I spend this season longing and waiting so that on Christmas Day, 
I can rejoice that the God who once came into our world will come into it once more, but not just shining in the darkness then, but casting it out later. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's so tempting for us to, for many of us in this room, to uh, play Christmas songs early, to exchange gifts early, uh, to celebrate Christmas all year round, and, and, and there's, a, there's something beautiful in that because our hearts are bent for and long for the kind of peace that seems to ring in the air in the songs at least. We long for, for warmth and, and family and, and gifts and abundance, not just for ourselves, but for everybody. We long for those things. But our reality, God, is that we, we live in a world where, where all those things are not here yet. Not for everybody. And not in its fullness yet for anybody. Would you make us a people that make room for you to come in as you see fit? You weren't even born in your hometown or in the inn. Who knows how you're coming into our lives? Teach us to make room for you, and would you help us to look for you? For me and so many of my friends in this room, God, you know that we probably want to dodge a lot of the places where you're showing up. Would you give us the courage to look for you out back in the barn? You've told us that if we seek you, we'd find you. And so we ask you to, to make do on your promises too. And just now, Father, we, we, we want to sing songs to you and adore you, which means we look at you, we pay attention to you, and we sing praises to who you are. Would you help us adore you with the very gifts that you've given us? May this season be full of, of longing because of a real hope and when Christmas Day comes, I pray for each of us in this room that we might believe again new. That we might trust that you have come and if you've come once, that you'll come again.